This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates, New England Operations, and the special edition of Ringler Radio is coming to you direct from the annual meeting of the National Structured Settlement Trade Association annual conference being held this year in beautiful, sunny Puerto Rico, and boy, we like that. You know, Ringler Radio guests are high-profile experts who discuss a wide range of issues that are important to trial attorneys, uh, defense attorneys, and the entire settlement industry. And joining me today to serve as my co-host is one of my colleagues, Mike Z from our Newport Beach, California office. Mike has more than 20 years of experience in structured settlements, claims, and risk management, and he specializes in settling personal injury, product liability, workers' comp, construction defect, and medical malpractice cases. And uh, he's also a pretty good golfer, I understand. So welcome, Mike. Good morning, Larry. Uh, you're wrong about the golf. I'm, well, I'm playing you today, so hopefully I'll take a few dollars. Great. Uh, well, today's topic is one that's becoming more and more common in the settlement industry, and it's how to deal with an aging population. And you know, uh, now that I'm one of those aging population people, it's becoming a little humbling to me. So uh, it's going to be an interesting show, Mike. Yeah, it's something all of us are going to hit at some point. It's a timely topic um, because baby boomers are reaching retirement age, and they're living longer, healthier lifestyles, medical advances, and they're having a big effect on our industry. Well, no question about it. Well, today we're going to talk about it with a special guest. And, uh, you know, we had a wonderful presentation on this topic here at the NASTA convention. Uh, and that's attorney Michael Miller of Drinker, Biddle, and Wreath in Philadelphia, and I'm an old Philadelphia guy, so it's fun to have someone from Philly here. Mike's a trial lawyer whose practice is focused on insurance issues and commercial litigation, and he also, he also counsels clients on, uh, on risk management issues and how to purchase insurance to help uh, mitigate those, uh, those risks. So, uh, Mike, let's start uh, with the growth of the structured settlement industry over the past decade. What is the effect that this new aging boomer group has had on the settlement industry? Good morning, Larry, and thank you. Um, I guess I'd start with, you know, what is the baby boom? Just so we're sure we're talking about the same thing. We're roughly talking about the population explosion that the country saw starting about a year after World War II. Went for about 15 years, depending on who you're talking to. Some people say it went from like 46 to 60. Some people say it went from 46 to 64. But that's the baby boom. And in today's society, we're now looking at kind of an increased population of people between the ages of 45 and 60. And that's increased both in terms of sheer numbers and percentages as compared to the rest of the population. That exists everywhere in society, but also in the context of structured settlements. So generally speaking, when you talk about the baby boom, you're looking at claimants who are older, and they're going to continue to be older. It was a great presentation yesterday, Mike. What are some of the legal issues our industry has to consider along with the aging boomers? Well... It's a couple things, um, Mike. The first point uh, that I made during the presentation, and it's one that you know increasingly came back to me as I was preparing it, was what I call suitability. I mean, ultimately, when you're selling a structured settlement, separate and apart from the legal issues, suitability is the issue. 
I mean, every single sale that a producer has will turn on whether that structure is suitable for that claimant. But in the context of the baby boom and the folks who are living longer as a result of the medical advances, et cetera, suitability has got to be looked at in a different way. Um, there are a couple of pieces to that, but, you know, there's first kind of what the duties are and what is the suitability duty as from a legal perspective, and then there are what are the different factors that might make a structure suitable or not. You, you, do you think there is a legal duty to protect them? You know, it's a good question. I think it depends on every situation. Um, there's a focus in today's society on protecting seniors. You know, you see that all the time in the newspapers and on television, etc. And there are uh, some statutes out there that uh, have created duties on the part of producers and insurance uh, companies to protect seniors. There's, in fact, an NAIC model that I talked about in the presentation, and maybe we'll talk about this morning a little bit. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you talked, what, what really struck me, you talked about medical advances yesterday and what you call the clean living effect and all <laughs> that. What, what is that all about? Well, the clean living part was partly tongue-in-cheek, but, I mean, you really are talking about two pieces. I talked about the baby boom. That's the fact that these claimants are generally older, but there are two pieces to analyzing an aging population in the context of structured settlements. It's the fact that the claimants are older and second, the fact that they're living longer. And that's the reference to medical advances in clean living. I mean, there are all sorts of factors resulting in people living longer. Sure, you know, we, what we do when we produce a structured settlement is we provide ongoing streams of income, usually over people's lifetimes with guarantee periods put in. And as you mentioned, the suitability of how we set that up, how much cash we provide, and, and how long these, these programs run is going to be something we're really going to have to concentrate on, Mike, Z, and I, as we move down the road uh, doing these structures. No doubt about it. I mean, you could, you could sit around and come up with a pencil list in five minutes of, you know, ten things that you've got to be thinking about if you're talking about older claimants and people who are going to be generally living longer. Well, let's talk about those factors. What are, what are the factors that you think we should think about on the issue of suitability when we start putting these structures together for the aging population? The first one that comes to mind for me is liquidity. Mm-hmm. And liquidity is, again, a little bit like suitability. It's an issue in every structure, but in connection with these older claimants and folks living longer, this is something you've got to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple of things that come immediately to mind. Can I ask you a question on sure. that? You, you talked about liquidity. Um, you're familiar with the term factoring. Right. Um, is that an answer to liquidity, lack of liquidity? Great question. Um, it could be. Um, you think about it this way, right? Uh, the liquidity issue in the context of suitability is really another way of saying if these people's circumstances change and they need either a lump sum or they need larger periodic payments, can anything be done? In the context of a typical structured settlement going way back, there wasn't much that could be done. Factoring developed 10 years ago or so, and it's become fairly prevalent, and these are these third-party companies that are buying the streams of income and then providing lump sums to these payees whose circumstances have changed. The concept is great flexibility, et cetera, for changes in circumstance. Um, It's in uh, the field, however, where it stumbles because what we see um, is that the rates are very high, generally speaking. Sometimes they're low um, or sometimes they're reasonable. Maybe that's more fair to say, but oftentimes they're extremely high. Mm. Extremely high. Are you talking about the return to the... That's right. Think about it this way. Um, And there was a slide actually in my presentation that uh, some of the listeners might remember. I took 20 recent cases that had come across my desk in our office. In no particular order, didn't exclude or modify the list in any way. The top, the first 
transaction that I looked at was an exchange of $45,000 worth of future periodic payments mm -hmm. in exchange for a lump sum of $10,000 and, and change. Sure. So That's an offset. That's a huge offset. <laughs> that's right. The discount rate that that worked out to be was 1996 and there were also fees involved, like, a, like fixed fees. You know, what we see in, in the whole issue of factoring, and, and it's interesting you bring it up, is a lot of the folks that are at home with these streams of income coming in, uh, these ads come on television late at night, and, uh, and they, they sense that perhaps this is something they want to do because they have either changed circumstances or just uh, they're feeling at the moment. And, uh, you know, we've been working very hard uh, with legislatures all around the country and in Congress to try to make sure that judges have a hand in this so that uh, these changed circumstances are real and that the rates of return that are given for these uh, buyouts are, are appropriate. We've got a couple things going on there. One, uh, Larry, as you're right, the judges are starting to um, get it, so to speak. There are transfer acts in 40-some-odd states. They are required to be complied with in connection with these factoring transactions. Courts need to approve each and every one of these factoring transactions, and the judges are beginning to realize how important it is that they only approve these when they're uh, genuinely in the best interests of the payee. But the rest of it, I think, I mean, it's a buyer be beware situation. Mm -hmm. You need to yes. be careful. You're sitting home, you're watching a television ad, listening to something on the radio. The idea of getting a lump sum sounds great. Be very careful of what the discount rates are. No question. Makes sense. So we have liquidity as one of our key suitability issues uh, or factors. G give us a few more. Well, you know, the flip side of it's worth talking about. Um, the lifetime protection that you get in the context of a structured settlement. I mean, generally speaking, these payments are for life even if there's a guarantee period. Um, for most folks, or at least a lot of folks, um, the advantages of the lifetime payments may substantially outweigh uh, the disadvantages in connection with the lack of liquidity. So by way of suggesting the lack of liquidity is a factor, I'm not suggesting that that means that structured settlements aren't suitable for folks who are older who are going to be living longer. I'm just pointing out that that's something that a producer's got to be thinking about. And then they've got to think about the flip side of it. It's not, there's no easy answer. And the flip side is, hey, let's get lifetime protection for these people. Well, you know, sometimes I, I like to talk about this, what you call the liquidity issue, as almost a blessing and a curse. It's, you know, the fact is that because people cannot get to some of those uh, dollars uh, as, as easily because they're put into these streams, it protects the, against the dissipation of those, of those funds uh, in a short period of time. This, therefore, they're, they're there for the long haul, and people are protected for that. So I'm, I'm a big believer in that. That's one of the big strengths of our industry, just the spend thrift. Um, it, it's important. Yeah, that's, um, that's another factor for me is the protection from creditors. You think about it, these folks are, again, generally older. Um, but when it comes to protection from creditors, generally living longer. And if you've got someone who's going to have a structured settlement in force for a long period of years and this income is important to them, protection from creditors, creditors is going to be a big deal. I'll tell you, another thing that we find is, uh, you know, especially among the older population, is that they have children who are now grown. And sometimes uh, when lumps of money are given to the, the older parents, the children sometimes come in and try to make use of it or, or get, get their hands on it. And there are also all kinds of advisors and other friends that show up. So the protection of, of, of the structure, for, especially for the aging population, I think is going to be more and more important. It's a great point. And there's another piece of that, and it's the kind of guarantee uh, period versus life-only payments. Mm -hmm. One of the decisions a producer's got to make and a claimant and the claimant's attorney's got to um, make in connection with entering into a structured settlement is, am I going to have a guarantee period or not? Right, and if exactly, and and you know another another basic issue for the aging population that uh, 
Mike and I have uh, seen from time to time is that, you know, getting a lump of money for someone in the that aging population you're talking about is something they're they're not used to. They're not used to seeing these kinds of dollars in their hands. And but you know what they are used to is let's say a monthly social security check, for example. So they they can add the monthly annuity check to that social security uh, check they receive and kind of get their living expenses in order as they move down the road. It's 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 unusual for them to have a big hunk of money, but but this living expense idea makes sense. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Any other uh, factors in the suitability issue uh, area, Mike? Well, I mean, you want to be thinking about things like estate taxes, for example. Absolutely. You know, folks who are um, settling large cases that involve large dollar amounts in the event of their death, if there are remaining guaranteed payments, the IRS may uh, calculate the value of those to be in excess of the kind of estate tax minimum, which will trigger a tax liability. Exactly, and, and at, at that age... Uh, Population, uh, uh, you know, uh, ma- you know that their age is there. Uh, life insurance is very difficult to obtain to take care of the estate tax. So, so we have to be careful as to how we do that. And some of those issues, Mike, as you know, are these commutation riders that exactly. sometimes we can I was use. Just going to bring that up. We do that often. We think about the availability of funds. Where should they predecease the use of of all of them? That's a good point, Mike. I'm glad to hear it. And I think you're going to see commutation riders become uh, more common. Yeah, especially with that population. Exactly. Well, let's take a short break now, and uh, we'll come back uh, and have some more with Mike Miller and uh, all this issue on the uh, aging population. And uh, we'll be right back. Ring the radio at the NASTA meeting in Puerto Rico. Don't miss all of our shows here, including an exclusive interview with U.S. Congressman Charles Rangel. This is Ring the radio. Internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years, and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Ringler Radio, Internet Radio from Ringler Associates, is proud to be broadcasting from the NASTA Annual Meeting in Puerto Rico. Listen to all of our shows. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. And with me today is my colleague from Newport Beach, Michael Z, and uh, attorney Mike Miller from uh, Philadelphia. And we're tackling the topic of an aging population and how this affects the settlement industry in general and the structured settlement industry in particular. You know, Mike, there are beneficiary issues uh, popping up in all these settlements. And uh, with the aging population, how do, we, how do we deal with that? And what are some of the issues you found uh, around the aging? It's a great question and an interesting topic. And I actually realized when I was preparing for the presentation that there's an aging component to this. And then there's a uh, structured settlement kind of history and growth component to it. Let me try and explain a little bit. As a result of the baby boom, right, you have this larger number of people between the ages of 45 and 60, and as time goes on, they're going to get older, and that's going to have the effect of generally increasing the age of the claimants, which will result, naturally speaking, in more deaths and the triggering of some of these beneficiary clauses in the structured settlements and potential disputes over who's supposed to get the money after the payee has died. Mm -hmm. But what I found that was so interesting was you've got that component to it, but also this kind of history and growth of the structured settlement industry component, and that's this. The industry didn't really get going until, say, the early to mid-1980s. 
And in the first couple of years, there were only the cases from those couple of years that were in the inventory. But as the industry grew, the inventory grew, and the industry's grown a lot. And if you look now at the numbers of enforced cases, you're seeing that there are now hundreds and hundreds of thousands of enforced cases that are maturing and that have uh, clauses in them in, in all the contracts that have been dormant for years and years but are now being triggered as some of these original payees die. And in my practice, what I'm starting to see are more and more cases where estates and heirs and other parties are in uh, disputes and sometimes, unfortunately, litigation over who's supposed to get the money after this original payee dies. We hear about that often, often. You know, let, let me, before we move on, let me, let me just make sure I understand one other issue on the suitability uh, side. We as brokers are out there putting these structures together, and, uh, you know, this, this duty that we have to make sure we're doing the right thing uh, is going to be constantly in, in our mind. How do we deal with it, and what have you seen about how brokers are dealing with these issues you're talking about? The good news is that you're not seeing a whole lot of litigation in the structured settlement context about the duties of the brokers. You occasionally see it, and there are some cases out there where the uh, circumstances of the case have resulted in holdings by the courts that the duties are relatively narrow, um, which, under the circumstances of those cases, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The concern is that um, as the industry and the, the insurance industry generally, not necessarily the structured settlement industry specifically, as it becomes more heavily regulated and as there's more litigation, the concern is, is that those duties will increase. And in the context of seniors, I think that's especially um, concerning. It's a very sensitive issue uh, for a lot. Well, we had a, uh, uh, an issue come up a couple of years ago in the structured settlement context. The NAIC, which is the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, essentially state regulators, came up with a model statute uh, for senior protections in annuity transactions. Mm. And it was the result of some reported uh, abuses in connection with the sales of annuities by producers to seniors. Usually variable annuities rather than some of the fixed, right? That's right. Although, you know, this model statute gained momentum very quickly and was designed so that it could also apply to fixed annuities. Mm -hmm. Now, the structured settlement industry had a carve-out in the NAIC model, so it wouldn't apply to annuities sold by the structured settlement producers. However, just to give you an idea of how society is slowly moving towards more regulation and the protection of seniors, there you have this NAIC model. Um, and as I explained in the presentation, sure, there's a carve-out for structured settlements. And as I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, yes, it's true that brokers generally in the structured settlement context have done well in connection with the kind of scope of their duties. There are still things out there that are of significant concern in terms of duty. Well, that's one of the things that NASTA has to do uh, as part of their charge, and that's make sure that we're, you know, we're vigilant about that and uh, we don't give rise to the kinds of practices that make those state regulators you know, come down on us. And we're very, right. it's very important we, uh, we do that right. Mike, I had a question. In your presentation yesterday, you talked about Medicare set-aside issues, which is becoming a tremendously large issue for our industry. What exactly is this? Well, Medicare, of course, is an entitlement program providing health care to um, you know, citizens of the United States. It's um, generally available for people who are 65 and older and some people who are younger. There's a um, series of complicated statutes and regulations in connection with Medicare that makes the federal government essentially, um, uh, they want to be what's known as the secondary payor in connection with claims. 
For example, if uh, someone's injured in an accident and there's liability or workers' compensation insurance that's funding um, the compensation to them for their injuries and the health care that they're getting, Medicare wants that insurance policy to be the primary payor, and then Medicare would be the secondary payor if that person needed some other health care coverage. What's interesting in the Medicare set-aside context is that Medicare, uh, the Medicare agency, the federal government, came up with a program where they'll permit um, claimants and the insurance companies that are settling cases to set funds aside from the settlement to be used to pay for the health care coverage that might otherwise be paid for by Medicare, which essentially ensures for the federal government that Medicare won't be the primary payor. What's interesting is, as people get older, is that it's more likely that they'll need these Medicare set-aside accounts. Um, you know, if you've got a 65-year-old claimant, they'll certainly need it. And if someone's soon to be on Medicare or um, their settlement is of a size, is sizable enough that um, uh, it meets certain criteria, then they'll need to satisfy the program. But what's interesting is the program that the federal government set up for these Medicare set-asides only applies to workers' compensation cases. So you kind of have this funny situation where they've got a great program, the Medicare set-asides, it's only, however, for uh, workers' compensation cases. And when you have general liability cases, although you may have some of the same issues and concerns and exposures for the companies that are funding these settlements and the people who are engaging in them, there aren't Medicare set-aside accounts available to essentially uh, ensure the government's the secondary payor and protect the other folks who are involved in the settlement. Yeah, Do you think that's going to flip over into the civil arena for more comp? I think that, you know, that's one of those things that I think over time will develop. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services decide to do. Um, but as part of my presentation, I was explaining not just exactly what's going on in society, but what I think might be happening in the future. And that was one of the things I mentioned that might happen in the future. You know, right. one of the things that we're looking for from CMS and the, and the Medicare folks are gu is guidance and, uh, you know, some more specific guidance to, as to how to deal with the issues like Mike just mentioned and the liability side and the comp side. And uh, the more guidance we get, the, the more we're going to be able to deal with these issues more effectively. You know, uh, Mike, you, you mentioned the NAIC passing some protective rules to help seniors in the area of annuities. And one thing's for sure, the seniors are a powerful lobby in America, and, uh, and that's a good thing. And hopefully we can use their political clout to help reinforce the need for, you know, preserving the tax-free status of structured settlements and other, er you know, other areas of the structured industry. And uh, this lobby, as you know, is powerful. You deal with it all the time. Tell, tell us about that and how, uh, how that's affecting the industry. Well, everyone's heard of the AAO. AARP. I mean, the seniors are a large group. I'm a member of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got my card. I almost flipped. <laughs> it sounds like you're working right now for AARP. Yeah, I know, and I'm, I'm trying hard. You know? <laughs> we're talking about a large group of people, like we talked about before the baby boom. What we're also talking about are people who vote and people who have the time to investigate issues and have the sophistication often and the, the, the kind of uh, intensity to lean in on these things. The NAIC model that I talked about before is a great example of how the senior lobby has leaned on the insurance industry and gotten legislation passed that specifically benefits them. The history of it's interesting. It caught the industry a little bit by surprise, and that's saying something because the insurance group is also a powerful lobby group. These folks um, were parties in lawsuits, sometimes victims of uh, annuity sales that uh, didn't make sense. Um, they organized quickly. 
They leaned in on the NAIC. Again, I think it was before the insurance industry really realized what happened. And the NAIC model was enacted very quickly. And you know, there's a consensus, I believe, you know, among the insurance folks that you know, that moved awfully quick. We'll have to uh, you know, be especially careful to participate in whenever the next round is, maybe at an earlier time. No question about it. The lobby's strong. And uh, you know, as I said, lobbies sometimes can be great or, or destructive. And uh, you know, NASA's a great lobby, uh, and, and ARP and those folks are also very good working on behalf of seniors. Well, we've had a very interesting topic here today, and uh, you know, my advice to the audience is to stay young as long as you can, right? Uh, Mike Miller, how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more? My uh, email address is a great way to get in touch with me. Sure. It's michael.miller at dbr.com. That's for drinker, biddle, and wreath. I like that drinker part. <laughs> <laughs> At these NASTA meetings, it uh, does seem like it applies. Yeah, but exactly. It's funny. Uh, you have a great time after the breaks, but it's, it's work all day long. We had great meetings yesterday, and I was very impressed. We went almost five straight hours of substan- substantive meetings. Very hard work. And Your program good work. was just exceptional. Very exactly. good. Mike, solid. Mike Thanks. Z, how do people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you, Mike? My email address is always the easiest way to reach me, M-Z-E-A at ringlerassociates.com. Well, you can reach me, Larry Cohen, at uh, 978-974-9922. And I also have an email address, but I sure, sure like that phone call. That's, that's maybe because of my age. But uh, hear all of our programs, as you know, on ringlerassociates.com or the legaltalknetwork.com. I'd like to thank our guest, Mike Miller and Mike Z, for joining us today. Uh, thanks, all of you, for listening. Now go out and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity. 